Hi everybody, this is Sam Kahane. You're listening to Allison and Sam's Big Adventure. This podcast is about our six-month journey around the world, and I'll be interviewing the most interesting people I meet uh, throughout the journey. So I hope you enjoy this episode of Allison and Sam's Big Adventure. Hey everybody, it is Sam Kahane coming to you from Ireland with my very good friend Chad Conroy. Chad, how you doing? Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening to whoever <laughs> anyone's listening around the world. <laughs> <laughs> Chad is a renaissance man. Chad and I went to, uh, we studied abroad in Lyon, France during my junior year of college. Um, and now we're reunited. How many years later is it, Chad? Seven, eight years? Seven, eight years. Seven or eight wow. years. Crazy. We had some amazing times in France. We've been reminiscing about them this weekend. Um, but Chad, to kick it off, could you describe where we are right now? Yeah, so what Sam and I are currently, well, well one, sitting on, <laughs> we're sitting on the second biggest obelisk in the world. So for those who are not sure that the obelisk is, and trust me, I lived beside this for two years and didn't know what <laughs> these were called. Um, probably a reference point for everybody back in the US, the biggest one in the world is outside Washington, oh, the White House. The what? Um, what is, what yeah, is the Washington Monument. Monument. The Washington yeah. Monument's the biggest one. So this, currently Sam and I are sitting underneath that within the biggest uh, park in Europe, which is called Phoenix Park. Yes. Um, with the most incredible view. It is pretty amazing. Yeah, we climbed up. We're probably about <laughs> 20 feet up on the obelisk just looking Whoa. out. <laughs> it's amazing. So, Chad, I want to fill people in on how we met. Uh, so we met uh, during my study abroad program. <laughs> Um, for you, what was that program called? What was that, you know, experience like? Sure. Um, yeah, as you said, there was seven, eight years going. It's a bit surreal when, right? you're, when, when you're putting that time frame <laughs> on it. Um, the program that we met on was called the IBP program, International Business Program. So it was basically just select students from anywhere around the around the world, and we did have students from everywhere, from if I recall, Kenya, India, all around South America, North America everywhere around Europe uh, maybe even a couple from the Middle East if I remember Russia it was incredible and yeah it was Leon and that for me was probably for you most people shaped the next seven years of your life what do you think? I, I agree yeah we had this amazing group of people and Chad was kind of like that the ringleader of this crew <laughs> the Irish who were the rowdiest bunch and kind of kept the whole group together so last night we actually got together with some of the gang so Roar from France uh, who is actually our coordinator for IVP and then a bunch of the awesome Irish guys from Dundalk where Chad grew up uh, so Chad you came to Lyon with a bunch of the Dundalk guys what was growing up in Dundalk like can you <laughs> tell people about Dundalk sure um, Dundalk is like Utopia, it's incredible. I'm joking, I'm joking, <laughs> folks. Um, so Dundalk's located in the northeast of Ireland. It's actually um, midpoint between Ireland's two biggest cities, the north being Belfast, the south being Dublin. Um, as a lot of you guys may know, may not know, Ireland is split into two. So the Republic of Ireland, which is where we are, and then the north of Ireland, which is still part of the United Kingdom. Dundalk is still in the Republic of Ireland, but only like seven, eight miles from the border. So growing up in Dundalk was very unique. Um, because there was a little bit of a civil war in like the 70s and 80s. Um, you guys might have heard about it, some, a group called like the IRA, the Irish Republican Army. <clears throat> These were seen as like the nationalist people who wanted to have a unified Ireland. There's obviously so much we can dive into that, but a lot of that focus was in the north of Ireland. 
yet it did always like ripple and spill a little bit over to anywhere on the border so Dundalk mm-hmm. did get a big um, influence of that during the main troubles in Belfast in like the mid 70s a lot of Catholic refugees actually came to Dundalk ah. and there's actually a huge housing estate if not I think it's one of the top five in Ireland the size it's called Mahavna Moor and that was solely built just for the refugees coming down the Catholic refugees which is when we use the word refugee what do we you know associate with that with today uh, you know all these obviously Syrians or anything happening in Africa that we consider that as refugees you know we consider well one I, our own Your Irish own people. people it's crazy right. so Dundalk had that that history that was associated with anything was that was going on in the Civil War it was a main point obviously of trade like the train station was the first train station outside of Belfast outside of Dublin um, the football team is fantastic I'm a big soccer fan <laughs> and one of the best in Ireland so I'm very proud to say that but yeah Quantum Dundalk was cool small Irish town um, went to an all boys elementary school all boys um, high school again still very Catholic yeah so, was it run by um, a Catholic group or was it a uh, yeah. Yeah, was it a religious related well, school it wasn't it wasn't like um, Ireland isn't as Catholic as it used to be um, yeah like I'm raised Catholic but I wouldn't be going to church every Sunday I wouldn't be doing my prayers before I go to bed like um, and growing up yeah elementary school was called the Friary Um, the Friary are an order I can't remember remember the full history of it but there was a couple of different Friary schools around um, around Ireland you're kind of mixed during like um, the beginning of elementary school and when you get to maybe the ages of seven and eight you then go into a boys school and the girls go into a girls school and then we went to high school that school was called De La Salle um, a French, uh, it was um, a French, I suppose, mission that came over the over the Ireland, so that um, education around. But I only had like one priest as a teacher; all the rest were just like a normal, normal high teachers. school. Yeah. So, yes, like you know, religion is mandatory. Mm-hmm. But like we got to the time, we got to the point when we were in like our senior years, yes. and like German religion class, all we done was like watch Madagascar and find a Nemo and stuff because, <laughs> well, like you know, the teacher was just like, ah, it's a free class. You, you guys do jump because. The cool thing, I suppose, about Ireland, uh, this day and age, is yeah, yes, it would recognise itself as Catholic. Sure. But it's such a liberal and open place at the moment. It's not like what it was so many years ago, where the Catholics and the Protestants are so you know banging heads. Um, it's open. It's a, it's a liberal place. So, like, growing up was, you know, it was it was a traditional Irish um, upbringing. Small town, lots of green areas, and a lot of fun. Yeah, that's a good uh, explanation. And, you know, so Chad grew up with a bunch of the Dundalk guys and then actually went to college with them because usually you go to a university close to where you grew up. And then they did something called Erasmus where they get to go together and study wherever they want in Europe. And Erasmus, you were saying, was based on someone with the name Erasmus. Correct. A Dutch philosopher, the Dutch explorer, yes. So... Um, IBP is the name of the program that associates with everybody globally, like yourself, mm-hmm. any, anybody outside of the um, EU, European Union. When you're within the European Union, the program, the sub-program is called Erasmus, where they'll actually pay for you. So, like my year in France only cost me like 200 bucks. Uh, <laughs> I won't ask you what yours cost. But uh, not, not good. <laughs> not good. So if anybody needs an EU passport, hit me up. Yes. So, uh, like I was saying before, so Chad is a renaissance man. So we went to school together. And then Chad actually ended up going back to Lyon. 
and became the manager and a bartender at the number one bar we went to. And then uh, went on (laughs) to get his master's, then worked at Google, and now he's starting another adventure. Um, What's your your take on that? Because a lot of people are trying to decide if they should, you know, pick one career and stay with it and keep, you know, getting better and better at that specific, you know, place they're headed towards. Or should they try a bunch of different things? Uh, What do you think? You're going back to one of your first questions, which was, what did we think about Erasmus? It broadened our mind, it changed yeah. the way we think, it changed the way we want to conduct ourselves, and that was my turning point. It wasn't like I was influential here, that was a complete U-turn for me, going, okay, whoa, let's have a look at exactly everything I want to do. Me doing a business course was kind of like a fallback. I finished college very young, man. I was just turning 21, and I had my already my bachelor's degree. I did not know what I wanted to do. Right. Middle of a recession. I wanted to get back to France because of that one year, well, done to me. So you don't know for one semester, I don't know for one year mm-hmm. studying. I went back and yeah, I worked in like a bar in the south of France, went back to Leon, worked in the bar there, ended up teaching at a university. <laughs> That's the craziest thing. So we were in class, I, then two years later, Chad is I teaching at the university. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually funny in itself and I kind of blows my mind it, it, it was by not only by accident well yeah it actually was by accident um, because um, I like the, I finished my bachelor's degree went back to France done a couple of obviously you know side hustles bar worked in the kitchen as, and learned how to be a little bit of a chef um, I then kind of done a business diploma in between mm-hmm. well not business diploma sorry like a teaching diploma so um, it was what we call a TEFL yeah T-E-F-L teach English as a foreign language once I had that um, the college that you and I were alumni of Seen it on my LinkedIn, the head of the program, Natalie, if you remember Natalie. Of course. And she's like, yeah, look, we have an assistant teaching job. You want it? Um, it's all for teaching English. Awesome. Um, the guy who's the head lecturer was like this, I think Austrian. I think he was Austrian. And he was teaching uh, business, finance, and just English language, all through English. And I spent three months basically prepping all of his material, like, like normal, like a teaching assistant. Mm-hmm. Like a month before the semester began, he just quit and he had to go back to Austria. I think Austria, by the way. But um, yeah, and the guy who's had the program, this guy, Brian Massiano, a Boston man, actually, would you believe? Mm, must be and, a great man. Yeah, Brian was cool. Brian, was, <laughs> Brian, Brian had my back. But he was like, okay, holy shit, but we are, you know, what are we going to do here? It's a month before semester begins and you're the only person who does the material. Can you just take the classes for the first semester until... You know, New Year, and then we might be able to get a new what lecture. What a great in. opportunity! Yeah, it was ridiculous. I was teach. I was twenty. <laughs> I was twenty two, twenty three. Teaching what nineteen year olds, nineteen to twenty four year olds, twenty four year olds. Wow! I would never tell them my age though. It was kind of. I used to come in like, your full get up. You know, your tweed jackets, yeah. shirt on, just trying to be that whole thing. But going back, I suppose to your original question, Sam, that was just something that kind of happened. But because I put myself out there, and I do believe in the power of yes. Mm-hmm. Why not take the chance? It's something I never thought I'd do. But yeah, I, I, I taught. And what, taught, what teaching actually helped me with was I was able now to be a lot more articulate, be more eloquently spoken. Apologies for all of you guys who are trying to pick up my accent, by the way. <laughs> I hope this podcast comes with subtitles and my throat's a little bit raspy. But when Sam actually first met me, my award I won that semester, if you remember. Most outgoing. No, there's a second no, one I won solo. One. What was the one you won How to understand. <laughs> Hardest to understand That is so funny uh, so, But I knew I, I spoke quite fast And I had a thick accent So teaching that <laughs> Made me um, 
be obvious a lot more articulate a lot more eloquently spoken plus it allowed me to work on my presentation skills sure which is a huge factor not just in business but everything else that's brought me on because of what I had to obviously prep so I was you know I'm just regurgitating a lot of business information as teachers do and yeah. putting trying to put context and examples behind it but that opened my mind a lot because this is actually how I end up going into finance mm-hmm. um, I was just teaching a little bit of basic business through finance but I started learning a bit about um, FX trading we had a guest te- uh, a guest um, speaker come over from like London telling me all about FX trading I was like this is actually quite cool so FX is basically currency exchange yes um, I was really interested in a gig uh, of doing something like that he said look here's a couple of companies in London check this out because I was ready for my next move after Leon and I ended up um, getting a job as a junior broker in Canary Wharf in Leon, which is kind of like your um, Wall Street, the Wall Street of London. Yeah. So the second biggest financial. And so I, you went from teaching to London, working on finances, and what was that like? It was crazy. So I worked uh, trading um, USD with Great British Pound. Okay. And I actually remember I was three weeks in, and I'm sitting here going, "Okay, how am I? In, how did I get in this job?" Like, as we just kind of <laughs> kind of scaled back, I was um, bartending in the south of France, doing a little bit of working in the kitchen, then back in Lyon, end up teaching at a university, and then I'm like doing a financial trading in London. I'm like, how is this happening? But again, power of yes. It goes, why not? That's something I'm interested in. Let's give it a go. Um, but, but it sounds like more than the power of yes, you know, because they have to offer you this position, mm. or are you asking? You know, how do you go? Because there's a pattern, right? Yeah. You go from being a person at the bar mm-hmm. to managing the bar. Mm-hmm. You go from being yeah. a student to teaching the class. Yeah. Um, you know, you go from learning about finance to actually being yeah, on the Wall Street of London. How? What do you think it is that's getting you there? Is it you know being outgoing mm-hmm. and talking to people? Is it consciously deciding that's what I want to do and asking for it what do you you know how can people replicate what you've done Um, what advice do you have there's there's no like hidden formula of like you do this and you're going to be successful Um, because success comes in so many different forms and you and I were chatting about that over the last couple of days Um, in terms of how we ended up and I never actually until you actually said that to me I never kind of realised or or put into that kind of narrative but um yeah, it's it's yeah, it is. We said the power of yes, but it's about it's taking chance and taking risk. Yeah. Um, obviously, if you're studying something, I think our biggest fear is then going to the practical side of it. Theoretical is always the easy because we have that textbook, because we can read about it, we can read these case studies, these examples. I always had the mindset that I want to be that case study, I want to be that example. Ah. And the biggest thing for me, especially when I when I was teaching, was when I'm obviously regurgitating this theory. I could never have any life examples to put behind it. I know for me, the best lecturers I had were the ones with life experience. They'd mm-hmm. come in and tell you about whatever, and they're like, well, i done this because I worked in a company for so long. And you're like, shit, that's, I want to be that. I want to come in and <laughs> tell them my story. So anytime I got the chance, yeah, you had, you had to work your ass off for it, you know, because interviewing for these jobs isn't easy. Yeah. You know, I'm probably making it sound like I just let these jobs down on my lap. <laughs> I wish they did. Um, but... It, it, it is ridiculous and like yeah working over in London was crazy I'd wake up at like 4.45am you know begin my commute at like 5.10 I'd be at my desk by 6.20am I'm on the phone to Singapore to Tokyo you're getting all of their end of day trade their numbers and then you're looking at the forecast of what um, the UK and Europe's going to open at and you're basically doing mental arithmetic 
which is why everybody's pet hate. And imagine doing that at 7 a.m. Uh, so by the time your senior brokers are coming in, you have to have all the numbers ready in the desk so they can come in and hit the phones. Yes, you obviously hit the phones on a smaller scale, but you're doing that. And then my day wouldn't finish until maybe 6, 6.30, until like the US kind of start going on lunch. And I pass my numbers over to them. After that, go to the gym for an hour, and then you might go out with some clients. Going out partying because it's not necessarily Wolf of Wall Street. Um, but, Wolf of London. <laughs> but um, there was a lot of element of it. Like, I don't know if I told you much about it, but there was like the um, drinking, drugs, non-stop partying, you know, money just being thrown as if it's nothing. And it's glamorous. And I said that, like, yeah, wow, I kind of made a nice bit of money. I had a lot of fun. Got some sick bonuses. <laughs> but... Why I wanted to leave that role was I'm looking at these guys. So the, the, I remember in, on my desk, there's a guy like maybe two seats down. He's maybe mid fifties. He was earning over a million a year. Okay. And I'm like, shit, that's the guy. That's the guy. You know, that, this is this is the boy. This is who I need to be. Yeah. And I got to know him. Like he's divorced twice. Mm. On his third marriage, and still he's going out. And his kids would eat, you know, each marriage, and he's still going out. And he's, you know sleeping with prostitutes doing drugs doing drinking and I'm like for a lot of people that might seem like the rock star lifestyle and you know as I said the Wolf of Wall Street lifestyle but call me a traditionist that wasn't for me and I was like I just said that I said okay I'd done that for you kind of my contract was coming to an end they wanted to offer me another contract and I just said nah man it's, it, this is not for me I, I can't I don't want to be my, I don't want my life to be like that and that was a big turning point I'm like wow okay now what am I going to do so uh, I, I do what I always do it's chat to my brother chat to my dad who will be my two closest friends in terms of life advising well, I'm now, now at a crossroads I can stay in London and just get a job maybe in something else because sales was starting to interest me marketing was really interesting uh, me I was like finance not so much done it uh. and my dad just said look you've always wanted to do your masters why don't you, why don't you come home you know you have, you have you know, a few pounds pay off your masters you're obviously going to live back with mommy and daddy for a year, which is never <laughs> ideal after years of travelling. Back to Dundalk. Back to Dundalk I went. Um, and yeah, I done my master's in marketing and entrepreneurship and loved it. Crazy. Like, the best of both worlds. Marketing, you can really into anything digital, um, anything obviously more practical, but the entrepreneurship side yeah. was outstanding. And that was the next kind of turning point. So, you're trying to find these... Like, you, you're trying to find your certain interests. So going back to what you said, I loved working in a bar. I thought it was a lot of fun. So when I finished my undergrad, Ireland's in a recession. Let's go back and work in a bar in the south of France. Awesome. <laughs> really enjoyed it, but I found out how to make the bar quicker and more efficient. Became the manager of the bar. I love cooking. I had a chance to work in the, in the kitchen. Just took the chance. Going, look, can I just come in and be like the sous chef or chef de parte? Well, not official, the official titles, but, you know, cook. Um, and yeah, I learned how to use, you know... Um, Knife skills. I learned, learned how to prep food, how to store food. Um, wanted to. I, I had a lot of friends who used to chat to me to practice their English. So I actually done a diploma to uh, to show how to actually teach English. That got me into a teaching job because I got into a broader audience. I enjoyed it. A segment of that was teaching finance. Really mm-hmm. enjoyed that for an interest and ended up working in there. Done that for a year and I can, then I can hit the wall going, okay, now I don't know what I like. Yes. So it was kind of, again, another U-turn, right, let's go back to education. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's a, it's a rant of a story there, but... I, I loved it. Um, so, Chad, I want to hit you with a rapid-fire round Boom. of questions. Let's do it. Uh, number one book you recommend to people? Um, wow. There's one book is The Celestine Prophecy. 
Um, incredible book. Uh, I read it first when I was 1920, and it was at the end of my Erasmus year, and that book kind of put my whole Erasmus year into perspective, and it was was one of the main turning points in my life. So definitely the Celestine Prophecy, guys. I'll let you guys dive into it, and I'm not going to give you any spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you were going to move to one city, move out of Dublin, where in the world would you want to go for two years? Barcelona. Barcelona. And ironically, ironically, my because they my, just offered you a job. They offered me a job there, but um, <laughs> it, it, that kind of came at a random time. Um, my job I'm well, currently leaving. I'm working with Google, and it's a con- it was a contract job for two years. But we they're setting up a center of excellence in in Barcelona, and they wanted me to move over there. And I was just kind of like a little bit of cold feet. I was like, no, actually, no, I don't want to go. But definitely in the future. Love the culture. Love the food. Love the people. Uh, I love the language. So yeah, Barcelona. Is there a motto you live by? I had a third class teacher um, in elementary school, so I don't know what what grade that would be, but when you're about six, what grade would that be? Kindergarten. Kindergarten. Kindergarten six? Kindergarten, yeah. How many years? We start, we start school in what, four? <laughs> That's preschool for us. So you have your preschool before kindergarten. Yeah, well, maybe six, seven. It was probably post-kindergarten, but teacher Miss Basquale. And I remember she still sits with me to this date. Shout out, Miss Basquale. Hope you're listening. Hope you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a good style does have to work done. Ah. That's, that's her. Oh. She, and what, it's 21, 22 years later, and I, oh. I still use that. And I actually used to echo that to my students, to people I work with, my team. I said, I said to them, come in early, get what you need to get done, get yourself organized. If you're traveling, go in, you know, get started early. Like, think about anything. Like, yeah. If you, like, and I and I gotta say we we are off to an amazing start today. <laughs> um, so uh, we're sitting on the obelisk. Mm-hmm. I'm about to fly to Africa to Cape Town, wow. and this all started with Chad living by his own motto, making us an amazing Irish traditional breakfast. Um, let's finish off by describing that breakfast to everyone. Get them <laughs> salivating a little bit. Mm. What did you cook for us, Chad? It was amazing. <laughs> no, it's your last day. You need to get something good before you oh, guys go. It's great. It's your typical Irish um, welcoming or goodbye. Yeah. Stuff you, stuff you, stuff you, stuff you. Shout, shout out to all the Irish mammies out there who feed us <laughs> everywhere. Um, no. So, yeah, your, your traditional Irish breakfast is like your. Oh, yeah. It's. A, Anyway, like Scottish, English, Welsh, all have their own take on it. Um, what I cooked for you guys today was regular pork sausages, mm. um, streaky, the streaky bacon, but I kind of marinated in honey. Did you get that little sweet? Uh, the, yeah, that was good, wasn't it? Bacon cooked in honey. It was Man, delicious. That was sick. Um, also, so black and white pudding. <laughs> what is that? Gosh, so the black pudding. Do you remember? Is blood pudding. Yes. And then the white is intestines, I believe, right? Yeah, intestines, that stomach, all that good Allison stuff. Allison loved those. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, she didn't have those. It's... She had an omelet, which mm. is Chad's specialty, with yes. a special ingredient, Ooh. which is poppy seeds. Poppy seeds. Shout out poppy seeds. Um, <laughs> so no, I'll, eggs. I think eggs are the greatest food in the planet. I think Delicious. eggs are just brilliant. You can do so much with them. Oh. When I went vegan for like six weeks, my the reason I just couldn't do it, eggs. Hundred mm. eggs, a little bit of cheese, but the recipe for a good omelet, folks. If you are looking, so uh, if you cook with a skillet, three eggs, a little bit of almond milk. Trust me, um, salt, your pepper, mixed herbs, poppy seeds, 
I mean, give that a good stir. Poppy seeds. Poppy seeds. A tiny bit of hot sauce. Gives you that, that, that little kick. And then on the pan with just some oil. And then get your peppers, your tomatoes, mozzarella, and fresh basil. <laughs> that, you need a fresh that's, basil. You need a fresh that's basil. That's the recipe, everyone. Get the fresh basil. Buy your plant. The, well, uh. A buck or two, man. Get get get, get a basil. <laughs> it changes it. That was the first thing Alison said. She's like, there's definitely basil. I'm like, yes. Basil, mozzarella, and tomato. It's just... If you've learned nothing else, you have learned how to make a delicious omelette. Chad, let's uh, let's sign off by saying mm. cheers in Irish. I s- <clears throat> Can st- you remember it? So I say cilantro because <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like cilantro, but the real cheers is, what is it again? Cilantro. Cilantro. All right, so let's sign off. Cilantro. Cilantro. Everybody <laughs> from Ireland, it's Chad and Sam. Have a good one, guys. Have a good one. We hope you've enjoyed it. See you. We love you. Goodbye.